is my favorite station. Jano Radio. Jano Radio. We are online 24-7. This is what we play. Hey, Tigurians have been representing for Jano Radio. Clear all of your Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Attack a what? Represent for January of your year one of the news is like Bring it up like Muffler. Boys in the steel, bring in the heat. Mixing
Good morning to all of our listeners around the world, logged on to QMZRadio.com, 
and johnnoradio.com. Don't forget to download that Jano Radio app today, J-A-H-K-N-O, available in your Apple Store and Google Play Store. Starting tomorrow, we will be on Future FM 98.9 in the Bronx, Westchester, and Mount Vernon every Thursday. So we do have some housekeeping rules that we're going to have to go through. It is Wednesday, June 1st, hashtag WCW Woman Crush Wednesday. Today's artist is Janet Jackson. Thank you for joining me for Coffee and Toe World News on the go every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at me Media Moments. That's M I Media Moments, and on Instagram at Moments underscore with underscore me, and that's M I underscore Media. And here are the headlines we have coming up for you today. In international news, Russia-Ukraine live news updates. NRC says world's 10 most neglected refugee crisis all in Africa. China conducts military readiness patrol around Taiwan. French diplomats to go on strike first time in 20 years. Israeli forces kill Palestinian woman in occupied West Bank. And out of Turkey, a man arrested after kicking an elderly Syrian woman in a video. In news out of North America, Canada's BC moves to decriminalize small amounts of illicit drugs. Shooting outside of a Louisiana high school graduation leaves elderly woman dead and two men wounded. Texas Governor Greg Abbott booed while visiting Uvalde school shooting memorial. Mugshot released of 10-year-old boy who threatened to shoot up his school in Florida. Biden talks gun control extremism with New Zealand's Prime Minister. We do have a little new segment, in my opinion. Business and tech news, Ben and Jerry's to participating hiring program for at-risk youth. In health and science news, man who fathered 15 children after advertising sperm donations on Facebook never told woman he has genetic IQ disease. In sports news, signed Kobe Bryant, PMG card could sell for more than $1 million in auction. Former UPenn swimmer Leah Thomas says trans women are not a threat to women's sports. And out of the Caribbean corner, Cayman Islands raises the bar for digital transformation in the Caribbean. Dominica approves legislation governing virtual currencies. And out of Jamaica, Opposition wants mask mandate reinstated amid COVID spike. U.S. lists eight Jamaican parishes Americans should avoid. St. Lucian man accused of sexually assaulting minor commits suicide. U.S. president declares June National Caribbean Heritage Month. Professional football soon to be a reality in the Caribbean and Jamaican among cast members of Real Housewives of Dubai. Out of Latin America, Cuba relaxes mask-wearing rules no longer mandatory as of May 31st. In Believe It or Not stories, unarmed black pregnant woman shot five times by the police after reportedly putting her hands up. North Carolina man who won $10 million lottery prize 
gets life in prison for murdering his girlfriend. Baby drowns in bathtub after mother leaves to do her nails. In entertainment news, another one of Kanye West's uh, uh, attorneys has stepped down from his divorce case with Kim Kardashian. Anita Baker stops her show to thank Chance the Rapper for helping her regain her masters. But here's what we need to be looking out for. DJ Naturalist presents Classic Sundays every Sunday, 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern. And tune into Naturalist Live with DJ Naturalist every Monday and Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern inside the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com. It's music news and naturalist views. Monday nights are made for days after dark. It's a real relationship talk. Join Moments, Sinedro, Solo, and Marlon at 10 p.m. Eastern on Clubhouse and tune into QMZRadio.com and JohnnoRadio.com. Join us Monday, June 6th when we kick off Season 3 and more stimulating conversations. Check out the Jano Radio crew on JohnnoRadio.com and don't forget to download the app today j-a-h-k-n-o available in your apple and google play stores and here's a lineup of the team join rose solo for the rose solo show every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern and then right after that dj rookie brings you vibes tuesdays 9 to 11 p.m eastern take over thursday 4 to 7 p.m eastern dj hindu does that for us and then he returns on sunday 12 to 2 p.m with sunday best DJ Lenkimatic presents the Dance Hall Mix every Thursday, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern. And then Mix Master Kavan gets our weekend started with Wanted Fridays every Friday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. And he comes back on Saturday with Freestyle Saturday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. DJ Simple takes over with Blazing Saturdays, 4 to 7 p.m. Eastern. And Big People Sunday, also at 4 to 7 p.m. Eastern. So there goes the lineup. Don't forget to download that app, J-A-H-K-N-O Radio. Available in your Apple and Google Play stores. Coming up, we do have Control and the Pleasure Principle. So let's go ahead and get into a little bit more Janet Jackson after the break we will definitely have the details. This is a story about control. My control. Control of what I say, control of what I do. And this time I'm gonna do it my way. I hope you enjoy this as much as I do. Are we ready? I am. Cause it's all about control. And I've got lots of it.
Good morning to all of our listeners tuned in on QMZRadio.com, JanoRadio.com, and of course, everyone here with me on Clubhouse, where the conversation happens. You are listening to Coffee in Tow, World News on the Go, every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. And just a reminder, starting tomorrow, every Thursday, we'll be on Future FM 98.9 in the Bronx, Westchester, and Mount Vernon. So that means we are on terrestrial radio so things are gonna have to be done just a little differently and i want to get that out the way the housekeeping rules because and i'm gonna repeat them throughout the show because i know everybody's not here but um it is very important that certain things are adhered to on my part so that i am not um damaging the radio station's um, reputation in any way all right so just a quick heads up um just want to remind everyone that in addition to streaming on janorader.com and qmzradar.com we will be streaming on an fm dial 98.9 in the new york area with that being said um please keep in mind we cannot use any profanity no derogatory language or cultural or racial smears if this happens unfortunately we're going to have to move everyone to the audience and um, we don't want to have to do that we want everybody to be able to have a voice and voice their opinion but we have to be able to do so in a very respectful manner so i do want to say thank you in advance for your cooperation and now let's get into the business it's time for us to get into the details and of course we're starting off with international news russia ukraine live news updates moscow warns us over weapons move the united states has announced it will provide Ukraine with the high-mobility artillery rocket system, otherwise known as HIMARS. A move, Moscow says, will increase the risk of a direct confrontation between the pair. The weaponry is part of a new, yes, a new, you heard me right, $700 million aid package for Ukraine from Washington, which is expected to be unveiled later on today. Russian forces have seized control of most of the eastern Ukrainian city of Severodonetsk, and I hope I got it right. I was practicing that word so much between last night and this morning, and this is according to a local official. As Moscow presses ahead with its offensive in the Donbass, Pope Francis appeals to Russia to lift the blockade on Ukrainian wheat exports via the country's port, saying the foodstuff cannot be used as a weapon of war. The world is paying too little attention to a slew of mass displacements of people across Africa, risking starvation deaths and prolonging conflicts, the Norwegian Refugee Council, NRC, has warned. With the all-absorbing war in U- Europe's Ukraine, I fear African suffering will be pushed further into the shadows, the aid group's chief, Jan Eagleland, said in a statement published on Wednesday. The countries with the most neglected crisis, according to the NRC, are in order. The Democratic Republic of Congo, Burkina Faso, Cameroon, South Sudan, Chad, Mali, Sudan, Nigeria, Burundi, and Ethiopia. 
It is the first time that all 10 crises on the council's annual list, based on shortfalls in the international political response, media coverage, and the amount of aid pledged are on the African continent. In the DRC, the most neglected country on the list for the second year running, approximately 27 million people went hungry last year, equivalent to one-third of the population. Meanwhile, 5.5 million people were internally displaced and one million more fleeing abroad, the aid group said. But there were no high-level meetings or donor conferences about the DRC's hunger crisis or the conflict in the country's east. And only 44% of the $2 billion requested by the UN for humanitarian aid was actually received. By contrast, the NRC highlighted that it took just one day this March for a humanitarian appeal for Ukraine to be almost fully funded. The war in Ukraine has demonstrated the immense gap between what is possible when the international community rallies behind a crisis and the daily reality for millions of people suffering in silence within these crises on the African continent that the world has chosen to ignore. China conducts military readiness patrol around Taiwan. The Chinese military has said it conducted a combat readiness patrol in the sea and airspace around the self-ruled island of Taiwan, which China claims as its own territory. In a statement, the People's Liberation Army Eastern Theater Command said the exercises had taken place in recent days and were a necessary action against what it described as U.S.-Taiwan collusion. Recently, the United States has frequently made moves on the Taiwan issue, saying one thing and doing another, instigating support for Taiwan independence forces, which will push Taiwan into a dangerous situation, the command added in a statement on Wednesday. Taiwan this week reported the largest incursion by Chinese aircraft into its air defense identification zone since January with 30 planes, most of them fighter jets entering the southwest of the ADIZ. The incident took place as Tammy Duckworth, a U.S. senator, was visiting the island. Foreign Ministry spokesperson Zhao Lijian said that Beijing had lodged solemn representations with the U.S. about her visit. We urge relevant U.S. politicians to earnestly abide by the One China Principle and immediately stop official exchanges with Taiwan in any form and refrain from sending any wrong signals to the Taiwan independence separatist forces, Zhao told a press briefing on Tuesday afternoon, according to the state-run Global Times. China will continue to take forceful measures to resolutely safeguard China's sovereignty and territorial integrity. French diplomats will go on strike for the first time in 20 years on Thursday to protest against a perceived lack of recognition and reforms pushed by the president that they say could damage France's global standing. The action won support from 500 foreign ministry civil servants in a newspaper opinion piece and has seen widespread backing from senior diplomats and ambassadors on social media. The strike comes at a bad time for President Emmanuel Macron, with France holding the European Union presidency until the end of June, as he seeks to play, play a leading role in the bloc's response to Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine and looks for fresh impetus to his new presidential mandate. 
Public sector reforms will see the diplomatic career structure change, including scrapping a special status for senior foreign ministry officials, meaning they would fall into a broader civil service pool. The reform of the civil senior civil service is the latest attack on our professions, our expertise, our future, said a strike notice for June 2 sent by unions. This reform reflects an incomprehensible desire to undermine our ministry and risks permanently weakening our country's ability to protect, project, and defend itself in the world. Israeli forces kill a Palestinian woman in the occupied West Bank. Israeli forces have shot and killed a Palestinian woman at the Arub refugee camp in the southern Israeli-occupied West Bank. The Palestinian health ministry identified the woman as 31-year-old Gufran Hamed Waranesh and said she had been shot in the chest. In a statement, the Israeli army said an assailant armed with a knife advanced toward an IDF Israeli army soldier who was conducting routine security activity. However, witnesses told Al Jazeera's Givara Buderi that, in their view, Waranesh had posed little threat to the soldiers and that the knife was small. Buderi also added that Waranesh had started a new job at a radio station three days prior to being killed. She was leaving her home on her way to work, according to eyewitnesses. She was shot just before 8 a.m. at the entrance to the camp, which is located between Bethlehem and Hebron, and where Israeli soldiers are permanently stationed. She was transferred by the Palestinian Red Crescent to Al-Ali Hospital in Hebron, but died shortly afterwards, despite efforts to resuscitate her. And we head over to Turkey for our final story from the international scene. An elderly Syrian woman is recovering in hospital after being kicked in the face by a man in the Turkish city of Gaziantep. And I hope I got that right. You know what I need to do? I probably need to um, move to Europe for a while and get all my pronunciations of these various cities right. When you think about from Turkey to Slovenia, the whole Slovakian region there, you know, yeah. You know, I would I will tell you, my friend, Turkey Turkish is very hard. I'm going to spell a word for you and tell me how you would pronounce okay, it. Okay, go right ahead. C-E-M. Chem. No. Cam. That is my friend. No. Ooh. That is my friend, and his name is Jem. Huh. There you go. Wow. Okay. How? How? But just so, t- Turkish is very, very hard. So C sounds like a G or a J. Like a G, but I G. think only when connected with an E. When connected with so an then E. So then there are. <laughs> wow so that's why it's that's so fascinating hard. that is so Absolutely. fascinating yeah i love it so don't feel bad about turkish at all okay. please it's really really Ooh. hard all right so, let's hear what happened in turkey so so a video shared widely in turkey and syria over the past few days shows the woman Leila muhammad attacked while she sat on a bench the attacker named by police as secure has been arrested on charges of willful injury the Turkish citizen said he had been told that Mohammed was a kidnapper, according to a statement he gave to police. The victim is mentally disabled, local news reports indicated. I hope she recovers. But, you know, um, Senators, you're saying that. You know what I'm thinking in Spanish? Um, LL 
if you hear it before a word, for example, L L A V E Yahweh, it sounds Jay. like a Y, right? In some countries. Now, in the Dominican Republic, the L L doesn't sound like a Y, it's pronounced like a J. So instead of saying Yahweh, they say Jave. And the first time I came across that difference was um, back in 2000 when I was speaking to a Dominican um, young lady and uh, she said to me, dame, dame, um, el ya, jave. And I'm like, okay, give you what? She's like, dame el jave, jave. And I'm like, give you what? I don't know what you're talking about. And then she picks up, she said, the key. I'm like, oh, Yahweh. She said, yeah, same thing. She said, we say Jave, we, you know, we pronounce our LL as J. And then in Argentina, there are some words that they pronounce differently. So country to country. Yeah. Accents are interesting, aren't they? Linguistics is what it would come under. Am I right? Not sure. <laughs> but it is time for us to take another music break. And when we return, we do have stories out of North America. It is hashtag WCW Woman Crush Wednesday. So, of course, our featured artist is Janet Jackson. You can thank Marlon for that. That was his suggestion. So when he wakes up and joins us here, we can give him a big thank you. Here she is singing, What's It Gonna Be? If it would only play today, today, there we go. It's playing now. Tell me just how you feel. feel. We living it and just giving it to you real. Baby, come on. Every time we crossing the borderline, we giving it to you, making you feel fine. Turn the heat up. Better believe we're going to shine. Make your body wine. Baby, the pleasure is all mine. To my people who be regulating the dance floor. Better step to your business and handle yours. How we do it? Making your people just want to bounce and get busy because you know that we always hit you off. What you say? You're wondering why you're feeling the force. And don't you worry because you'll be ready to flow. More heat because I always have put you on. And go to spots at the very second I'm gone. Get your groove on. Now that you're tired, I hope your body be cool. Because we're keeping you moving, that's what we're doing, and you know we're gonna.
you to all our listeners tuned in on QMZRadio.com and JanoRadio.com. And everyone here with me on Clubhouse, where the conversation happens. Listen, it is not easy when you are doing everything by yourself. I can tell you, I need a whole studio crew, okay? From sound engineer to teleprompter to <laughs> managing Clubhouse, managing the board. Listen, I, I lift my hat off to everyone who does radio and they're able to do it solo. Mad respect for all of you. I really do. All right. So again, thank you to all our listeners tuned in on QMZRadio.com, JanoRadio.com, and everyone here with me on Clubhouse where the conversation happens. You're listening to Coffee and Toe World News on the go every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. Quick reminder, starting tomorrow, every Thursday, we will be on Future FM, 98.9 in the Bronx, Westchester, and Mount Vernon. And that being said, just to have to give you all a few housekeeping rules, you know, so please bear with me here. Um, just want to remind everybody that in addition to streaming on Jano Radio and QMC Radio, we are going to be streaming on an FM dial, Future FM and that's terrestrial radio in New York. That being said, let us please keep in mind, we cannot use any profanity, derogatory language, or cultural slash racial smears. Unfortunately, if this happens and you're on the stage in Clubhouse, we're going to have to remove you to the audience, um, and we're just saying thank you in advance for your cooperation. All right, so... Just got to get these things out the way before we go live tomorrow. And now it's time for stories out of North America. The Canadian province of British Columbia, B.C. will decriminalize small amounts of illicit, illicit drugs for personal use. The government has announced in a first-of-its-kind measure in Canada that aims to tackle the opioid crisis. In a statement on Tuesday, the B.C. government said the province has been granted a three-year exemption to Canada's federal drug control statute, the Controlled Drugs and Substances Act. Adults aged 18 and above who are in possession of 2.5 grams or 0.09 ounces of certain illicit substances, including heroin, fentanyl, cocaine, meth, and MDMA for personal use will not be arrested, charged, or have their drugs seized, the government said in a fact sheet. The exemption will come into effect on January 31, 2023, and last until January 31, 2026. This is a very important day, said Sheila Malcolmson, BC's Minister of Mental Health and Addictions, when speaking in a news conference in Vancouver on Tuesday afternoon. The federal government's approval of BC's request to decriminalize people who, who use drugs is a major step in changing how we view addiction and drug use in British Columbia. It reflects our government's agreement that substance use is a public health issue not a criminal one. Canada has reportedly um, had 27,000 deaths from opioid overdoses between January 2016 and September 2021, according to government figures, while the COVID-19 pandemic has worsened the crisis. Between April 2020 and March 2021, 
the country saw 7,224 opioid deaths, a 95% increase compared with the same period a year earlier. Most of the deaths occurred in B.C., Alberta, and Ontario. But harm reduction workers and drug decriminalization advocates say the B.C. exemption announced on Tuesday does not do enough to tackle a nationwide crisis that they argue needs immediate action. 2.5 grams is bonus, is bogus rather. This is far too low. Why also wait until January 2023? Why not immediately? Said Zoe Dodd, a harm reduction worker and a drug policy expert based in Toronto, the largest city in Canada. The Liberals prove once again that they will not commit to decriminalization. This isn't just an issue local to British Columbia. My thoughts on this. I agree with a couple of things and I dis- and I disagree with a couple of things. So let me start with the things I disagree with. I disagree with waiting until 2023. Because what's going to happen is between now and then, you're still going to be arresting people for what I would consider minor offenses. So I disagree with that. And the other thing I disagree with is that the exemption is only for a three-year period. It should be going forward for life, right? So it's going to go into effect January 31, 2023, but end January 31, 2026, unless it is a temporary fix with the expectation that during that three-year period, they are going to make a move to ensure that it becomes a permanent fixture. So those are my disagreements. What I'm in a yes, go right ahead. No, go anyway. I was trying not to cut you off. I thought you were finished. I apologize. No, um, no, no, that's what okay. I was thinking is the um, because of January 20, why it, they need so much time. Okay, I don't disagree with that point. The start time because some of these drugs are illicit drugs, okay, and they are illicit drugs. I mean, it's obviously some of them, they are, and there are drug panels used to test people. So they need some time to get all these drug panels and these drugs removed from panels to test people first, would be my opinion. Again, opinion, right? Mm-hmm. So make sure that they are not testing for these substances that are now legal. Because mm. you're going to waste your time testing people. They're going to come up with a bunch of positives and then you have to go through the whole steps again and again and again. Rather, get that cleaned up first. You'll have enough time to clean up all your paperwork so you're testing, you're not testing for these substances or if you do test, your panels are not changed, you'll know not to report these substances. That's my first thing. And I agree with your point too. Um, it's a three-year mandate. Let's call it mandate. I forgot the exact word. I apologize. No, that's but, okay. Um, so the three years, they will test and see what this, what has changed. What changes in three years? You'll In two, in one and a half years, they will know if this is something that should be permanent. So I think they ought to give it an end date and see what happens. And if it doesn't work out that that, that it's looking good, then realize that, yo, this was a mistake. These mm. people are getting crazy high, they're acting out, they're doing all these things. But tested, I think it's a test period and I think that's, that's fair. And I'm gonna finish now. <laughs> okay, thank you for offering that perspective because I never thought about that, right? So I appreciate that, Sinead, thank you so much. So here is what I'm in agreement with, this part. Drug use is not a criminal 
situation, in my opinion. People need rehab, not jail. Because at the end of the day, you lock someone up for drug possession, a small amount, because they use drugs. When you put them in jail, the drugs are there too. Correctional officers are providing the drugs. I'm sorry, it happens. And this is a known thing throughout the jail system in North America, which includes Canada and the United States. So you're, you're, you're taking somebody off the street for having, say, three ounces, or not three ounces, um, three grams of an illicit drug. You're really not helping them because you lock them up for a couple of days, or let's say they do get bail. They're right back out on the street again, and they're going to find it. They know where to find it. They know how to get their hands on it. So you have not got to the root of the problem. Now, the root of the problem is not the people selling the drugs, quite frankly, because as old as time is, drugs has always been a part of, of our life. It's not going anywhere. And here's why it's not going anywhere, too. And then I'll circle back. They use drugs in the medical field, right? Cocaine? Think back to the old days, to numb your gums. And if you read the, um, the ingredients on some numbing agents to this day, it has some amount of illicit substance because of what it provides, the relief that it provides. Okay? So now let me go back. People need rehab, not jail. And until the judicial system understands that, people will never really get the help they, they truly deserve. Putting someone in the slammer is not rehabilitation. It's like um, putting a Band-Aid on the situation. So governments need to put money instead of building so many prisons how about building rehabilitation centers that are subsidized by the government just as they subsidize the prison systems where even though they're privately owned it's our tax dollars that are running it because people are getting rich off of it do the same thing for the armed rehab centers if you truly care about your citizens and I'm done on that one. I don't know if anybody agrees or disagrees with that, but that's how I look at it. People need help. Gun raising, gun raising. Good morning, Afro Lobby. Yeah, I agree with you upon that. All right. Shooting outside of a Louisiana high school graduation leaves an elderly woman dead and two two men wounded and this happened following a high school graduation ceremony on Xavier University's campus or Xavier I say Xavier and here's why one of my sons that's his name <laughs> the New Orleans Police Department says a fight broke out between two females as graduates and families were leaving the ceremony and that's when shots were fired police say all three victims were transported to a local hospital where the woman was pronounced dead. The two men's injuries, one to the shoulder and the other to the leg, are not considered life-threatening. At least three people were detained for questioning, but no arrests have been made as of Tuesday afternoon. 
I am outraged and saddened by the callousness shown today outside Xavier University, said the NOLA PS superintendent, Dr. Henderson Lewis Jr. The graduating seniors of Morris Jeff were there to share in their collective achievements and bask in the brightness of their futures, only to have their optimism ripped apart by gun violence. This has got to stop. We must come together as a community, as a country, and address the damage caused by access to guns and to get to the root of the anger and despair that compels individuals to even think of harming others. All our children have a right to be safe, and we must do all we can in our power to protect that right. My heart breaks for the families of the victims, and I implore us all to rally around them in their time of need. The shooting took place in a parking lot outside Convocation Center, which many local high schools used to host their graduation ceremonies. Witnesses said at least anywhere from 5 to 12 gunshots rang out. I'm thinking back to when my two older sons graduated from high school. Their um, graduation ceremony was held at the University of Miami. You had to go through a metal detector. You had no choice. You had to be searched. Um, I don't know if these people actually attended the ceremony or they were just in the parking lot. If they, and they were attending the ceremony and they were inside, I am hoping a search was done. Just as you can't go into a government building with any weapons, you, can, you know, we couldn't go into the, um, the ceremony without being searched. They went through your bag and everything. And I agree with that. And I'm done speaking. Moments. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Rosolo. Even Thursday, I just, I, high, I had a high school graduate on Thursday and it was, he told me Wednesday night, it's a blue birthday because it's at the stadium. It's a clear bag policy. That's a problem for me, but I had to figure it out. So literally I had my phones in my pocket and the keys and they had you take everything out your pockets, put it in the bin and walk through the detector. It was good. Women were no bags. It was the most amazing thing. <laughs> what tons of women, hundreds of women, no bags, just your keys and your phone. So I, I'm, I'm really to, to your point. Where were they? Because we couldn't get in the stadium for our own son's graduation um, without, you know, not having a clear bag, not being, not going through the metal detectors. We couldn't go back out to come back in. Mm -hmm. We couldn't do that. You know, we could we could stand at the door to, you know, say this that's my person and hold a ticket up, but you couldn't walk back out the door once it started once you were in. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we don't want the, that kind of situation. But here's the thing. We don't complain when we go through TSA checkpoints at the airport, do we? Not at all. I feel safer. Not at all. We don't. So we're going to have to adjust our mindset a little here to protect ourselves. Now, I would really like to know where these two men um, waiting in the parking lot. And why bring that drama to a graduation? And here is what concerns me. This is the last thing I'm going to say. When it's um, black on black violence, nobody says anything. Nobody's outraged. Why? Why is it that we don't have a problem with it? We accept it. Why? Why don't we have outcries, public outcries, 
protests call for um, action when it comes to black on black crime. Why not? I think it's a little hypocritical if you ask me. We should be protecting our own lives, shouldn't we? But the minute somebody else does something to us, that's when we get outraged. So we care more about what other people do to us than we care about how we, what we do to each other. Just a question. Food for thought. Texas Governor Greg Abbott was met with an emotional and outraged crowd while visiting the site of the Uvalde school shooting. On Sunday, Abbott was booed by a crowd of onlookers outside Robb Elementary School. The site was the scene of a tragic massacre last week that claimed the lives of 21 people, including two educators and 19 students in the second, third, and fourth grades. Since then, a massive makeshift memorial has sprouted up. Some people yelled for the governor to change the gun laws, while others berated him with shouts of, Shame on you! Since the mass shooting, Abbott was caught, has caught slack for failing to change the gun laws and for his remarks immediately after the tragedy. During a press conference, the Republican governor stated, and I hope we all remember, it could have been worse. Referencing the death toll. He also praised officers for taking down the shooter. However, he admits that he was given inaccurate information about officers' response time and says he is livid that despite a heavy police presence at the school during the shooting, law enforcement did not engage the shooter, 18-year-old Salvador Ramos, for at least 45 minutes. He was eventually killed by police, and I think they need to correct that because he was not killed by the police. He was killed by Border Patrol, if I'm not mistaken. The Justice Department has announced that they will be conducting an investigation into why officers failed to act faster as the massacre was taking place. Abbott has said that new laws will go into effect surrounding mental health, but nothing that will address the matter of stricter gun laws. Anyone who suggests we should focus on background checks instead of mental health, I suggest to you it is mistaken. Hold on. Did he really say this? Yes, ma'am, he did. No, Sinead, please tell me he did not. Tell, tell me he. everybody heard wrong. They all know. No, he said the it. Talking points for this group right now is that it's mental health and not gun control. That, are the, that is their talking point. If you listen to, to three of them, you'll hear them say almost the exact same verb in the exact same way. That is their talking point. Anyone who suggests we should focus on background checks instead of mental health, I suggest to you it is mistaken. Abbott, really? You need to get out of office. He needs to go. And everybody who is supporting that train of thought needs to go because they are not accepting responsibility for their failures. You sit behind protected walls. And you're going to stand in front of a ceremony or whatever, gathering at the site where the tragedy happened. And that's what you're going to say? Mental health? Not background checks? Not background checks to determine if someone has a mental illness? No. So I don't know if anyone saw this one on TikTok. But it was not reported in the news 
or it was not reported nationwide. Let me say that. A woman drove 40 miles, because clearly she, that's where she works, 40 miles away from the school. When she got wind of what was going on, drove 40 miles to the school, saw the people standing up outside the police, wondering what the heck is going on, why they're not in there. Whatever confrontation she had, she ended up getting handcuffed, was able to talk her way out of it for them to remove the handcuffs, barged into the school, got her two children, and left. While the shooter is there. Go that figure. Way. Go figure that. A mother. That's, a, that's, that's that way. Yep. A mother. Yeah. She goes in. No bodysuit, no armor, no weapon. She's like, to hell with all of you. I'm getting my kids. L I'm a die getting my children. She but went listen, in. Pick up the time frame as well, moments. The time frame, 40 miles she drove. She got handcuffed. She argued with them. Think about the time. And they were all still out there while the shooter was inside with these children. Yeah. Explain that to me. Somebody explain that to me because that don't make no sense. The woman, the mom just said, you know, police, you know, stop crime, you know. They just show up after to clean up the body and put out them little yellow tape, collect a couple of evidence, and then go, go about their business. You know what I mean? And they must show that time and time and time again. So, so what do we need police for? Just call mothers. Just call, all, rally all the mothers across the country. We will get the job done. We don't have any tactical training, do we? <laughs> what we have is instinct. Save our children, save our babies. Yeah. She drove 40 miles while they're still outside deliberating. What are we going to do? How are we going to do this? Oh, we don't have the right armor. She was wearing nothing but her work clothes. And they handcuffed her to stop her from getting in, but she used her mouth and got her way and got her babies. Fire the entire police force because they are worthless in my opinion. Hire people who understand the commitment to their role. And I get it that they have to protect themselves too. I get it. Probably the police force needs to be made up of people who actually have training from the army. Where it's a different type of training. Probably we need people from the Navy SEAL. I don't know. But the police force is not cutting it. Not cutting it at all. Background checks and stuff. Um, <laughs> mental health and stuff. Background checks. On Monday, the mug shot and arrest footage of a 10-year-old boy accused of threatening to shoot up his school were released by Florida authorities. I did a campaign. Fake threat. 
real consequence, said Lee County Sheriff Carmine Marceno. While I understand the boy is 10 years old, his brain is not fully developed. He's a juvenile, I must tell you. When a 10-year-old presses a trigger, the aftermath is the same regardless of the age. Daniel Isaac Marquez, a fifth grader at Patriot Elementary School in Cape Coral, was arrested Saturday for the alleged text message threat on May 28. Marceno told W Radio that Daniel told a friend in a text message that he had wads of cash and that they should get ready for him to carry out the mass shooting. According to the arrest report, Daniel sent a text message that said, I scammed my friend, which included a Google image of money. Authorities say that Daniel also sent his friend an image for four assault rifles that he said he had purchased and encouraged him to get ready for Water Day, a school event in which students partake in water activities. We don't wait one second, Marcena said. We investigate every threat as if it's real. We have zero tolerance. Our children are going to be safe no matter what. So what we need to do is, I beg the parents to sit with their children. We need to do everything we can as a team to prevent these types of issues and not ignore the red flags. According to Marceno, the boy was charged as a juvenile with making a written threat to commit a mass shooting. Marceno addressed his department's response to a potential school shooter later in the statement. You don't get to come into one of my schools in my county and present deadly force. Because we meet deadly force with deadly force, without one second, without hesitation. If you think you're going to come and kill a child, a teacher, or a faculty member, think again. We will kill you immediately. Yeah. That's the German approach. You cannot take anything lightly. Go, go ahead. But, but something the right moments. Uh, for me and my wife alone, I think it, but something the right. Where these kids are getting these high power rifles? Where? No, see, a 10 year old. 10 year old with how much cash. I know my son is not now from no allowance. <laughs> You the know, cash wasn't um, real. If you if you go back, oh, it to wasn't the cash. Oh, it was wasn't. A, no, the cash was not real. It was a screenshot from a Google picture. Oh, oh, whenever you're a party, my bad. Sorry about that. No, whenever you're a party, but still, them, where am I get them gunner from? Like it, when, when I, from the other day, me ask myself, say, yo, where them look kid juvenile? I get them them gunner from? Where am I get them from? <laughs> Isn't it? We feel like something alright, yo. You know what I mean? And again, I stand by what I say because based upon my research and some work of documentary I watch, yo, them start the problem and then try for coming with a so-called solution. And the solution are just for benefit them alone and nobody else. You get what I say? And it's like more time when I hear them talk, as where well, I say the governor, I say, oh, it's just mental health is not gun control. Like, yo, them people, yo, no, no, I think different from everybody else. You know what I mean? I'm mean, from it, it. It just mind-boggling, um, boggling more time. You, you know, make you real for long and 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 think like, yo, what, something right here, so something fishy. You get what I say? But continue. So he didn't have assault rifles either. What he had was a picture of, which at the end of the day you can't take lightly, right? You can't, because the truth is we don't know if he has actual guns. 
um, children having access to guns, sometimes the parents. But if I remember well, um, I think it was Andel who spoke a couple weeks ago and said, we have to teach for those parents, those homes that have guns, they need to teach their children how to handle weapons in a responsible manner. But I think someone opened their mic. I was not looking. Please go right ahead. Good morning. Yeah. Good, good morning, morning Andel. Now, I, um, I heard your, your, the story about the whole mental health and the, the background check for gun control. And I'm saying, uh, nowadays, how, how, how do one be diagnosed for mental health? Because you can't, one, look at person and say that they are mentally challenged or they have, they're going through some issues. Uh, and also, even one visit to a you know psychologist or whoever can't, diagnose you it has to be a series of visit that you've been going and they're seeing a pattern of whatever you're going through or what happened to to be to diagnose you so i'm saying okay so if i'm not diagnosed and i go you know 18 year old guy not diagnosed for mental health whatever but something is happening is happening to him how do they find that out how do you because you, you know doing background checks and he's not diagnosed you know how do you how do you control that person? How do you definitely don't put a gun in that person's hand? You know what I mean? Good question. Something for us to think about. What solution can we come up with for that? What's our re what what are our recommendations? So that's food for thought, Andal. Something we need to think about because you're right. Because um, so many a times some of these things. Are, the acts are carried out by people who have no priors, who present a clean bill of health, who appear what society considers normal. Yeah. So you're right. That's a good question for us to ask. What measures can we take to determine who is who and to do a separation? What I will say, though, is um, if an 18-year-old cannot buy liquor and cannot buy cigarettes, they should not be able to buy high-powered weapons. Guys, nothing would help unless you ban the high-powered weapons. Because even if someone is not mental, people flip out, people get angry. Um, it doesn't have to be a mental issue. It doesn't have to be a background check issue, you know. Um, half of these people are sane people. They're just angry. They flip out, whatever. They, people just get mad and we just go and shoot up the school and shoot up the mall. That's just human beings, you know what I'm saying? So the access to the high-powered weapons is the is the problem. It doesn't matter what they do. As long as we have easy access to it, it's just going to be turmoil. True, if a man can walk going and buy one rocket launcher and show up and protest, uh, I mean, in a subway, I talk about them need to come outside and they're tired of, tired of being locked down. <laughs> I was like, yo, to this day, I wonder how the man get a, a, a rocket launcher for buy just like that and I walk up and up on the streets and in front of police and nobody na arrest him, nothing at all. They just make him a walk up and down on the streets, they protest, but how they're tired of being inside and can't just walk going on. We call a place a uh, subway with him army um, gears, you know, uh, army military gears and a rocket launcher strapped to him. And no one said nothing at all. I'm surrounded by other members with high power rifles and um, handguns strapped onto them leg like them are at war. But hey, the, the, 
this is America, I guess. So they 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 can build oh, a fortress around the school, but um, you have to go inside the school. If somebody wants sh- shoot up kids, they just drive by outside the school and shoot. So it's the access to the web. Everything else is a bandaid. That's just just the way I see it. Yeah. It's just not that's exactly what it is. Bandaid. Okay, hold on, Uncle exactly. because, because go ahead, go ahead, Andel. Because, I mean, what Drake said, you know, of course, people can snap because, I mean, people are going through so much, you know, and you don't know. And especially for a lot of men who are, you know, take, for instance, a, a, a man working hard for his family, building his business, um, you know, he has challenges, but he doesn't have an outlet. And the same people who he's, who, who he's grinding hard for, he doesn't, he can't talk to them because they don't understand what he's going through because... He's actually focusing on business, but also carrying the load of taking care of the fact, all that stuff. And then he, he gets to a point where he's just like, I'm burnt out or, man, this is it. And he snapped and anything can happen. So you do right. I mean, you know, it's the power because, you know, black person is not diagnosed. You don't know and you don't see what's happening to them because they hide it so well behind a smile. But they and they don't have an outlet to talk and push to then talk to resolve these things. So they, they, they come to snap. And things and things has happened. So you're just getting the high powered weapon out of the hands of people. So when they snap, then you know what I mean. We're not gonna have these type of, of mass shooting. All right, thank you. And don't go ahead, naturalist. I'll start with it. Start with that. Okay. So I I like Canada's approach. Don't care what anybody wanna say. Shut it down. I, I appreciate um, Justin Trudeau's approach and the Canadian government's approach. And it took them one week. One week. They listened to the people of their country. The people said we need strict measures in place. So what did Canada do? Ban the sales. You cannot buy any more guns right now. And that is the approach we probably have to take until we can fix the issue. Not the best approach, I would say, but sometimes you have to take drastic measures until you can fix it. Because in this country, the land of the quote unquote free, we don't know how to manage our freedoms. We want freedom. We want the free will to do whatever we want. We don't want anybody to talk to us, but we don't know how to manage our freedoms. We don't know how to be responsible citizens. We want people to accept us, but we don't know how to accept others. So we have some cleaning up to do. New segment, in my opinion, and this one comes from the desk of Professor uh, John Kirk from the Latin American Studies at Dalhousie. And in his opinion, the 2022 Summit of the Americas, an embarrassment for Biden. From June 6 to 10, Los Angeles will host the Summit of the Americas with the basic goal of strengthening hemispheric solidarity. At a time when Washington is increasingly involved in supporting the war in Ukraine and fending off Chinese strategic and commercial advances in the global south, having a strong show of support in the Americas would be helpful for the beleaguered Biden administration. Except that this is not happening. The sticking point is the determination of Washington to invite to the summit only those countries with which it has solid relations, which means that Cuba, Nicaragua, and Venezuela are not wanted. 
Host countries issue the invitations, and even though Cuba participated in the last two summits, this time it has not been invited. The Biden administration says it selects countries based upon the acceptance of political freedom, human rights, and democratic values, which is why these three countries are not welcome. Their approaches to human rights and liberal democracy are certainly different from those found in the other countries and leave much to be desired. At the same time, many of the invited countries are not paragons of such values. As a quick look at Amnesty International and Human Rights Watch reports on the region world attest, in Colombia, a close U.S. ally, 138 human rights activists were assassinated in 2021. In Mexico, this year alone, 11 journalists have been murdered. The former president of Honduras, another U.S. ally, despite a questionable re-election, has now been extradited on drugs and weapons charges. In Brazil, Bolsonaro, the self-styled Trump of the Americas, has threatened to reject upcoming election results and call upon the military to support him. Yet, these countries and several others will equally, with equal track records, sorry, are invited to Los Angeles. The focus of the summit is to commit to concrete actions that dramatically improve pandemic response and resilience, promote a green and equitable recovery, bold, strong, and inclusive democracies, and address the root causes of irregular migration. Clearly, these are key issues. To deal with irregular migration, it would make sense to have Mexico at the table since Customs and Border Protection officials stopped more than 221,000 immigrants at the southern border in March of 2022. By the end of 2021, more than 1.5 million people had arrived at the border, with more than 1 million of them sent back. Mexican President López Obrador, however, has decided not to attend unless all countries of the Americas can participate. The leaders of Brazil, Argentina, Bolivia, Honduras, Guatemala, and several Caribbean states have also declared that they will not go, or else will send lower-profile delegations. And for a summit that aims to dramatically improve pandemic response, it seems odd to exclude Cuba, the only country in Latin America to have developed its own COVID vaccines, to have sent thousands of medical professionals abroad to help people during the pandemic, and to have fully vaccinated 96% of the population. Latest figures show fewer than 70 COVID cases per day. In terms of their role abroad, some 5,000 Cuban specialists worked in 42 countries on anti-COVID missions. As the Prime Minister of Dominica, Roosevelt Scarrett, explained, here in the Caribbean, if the support of Cuban doctors was to be removed from the health system of all the countries that are members of the CARICOM, the Caribbean community, these would collapse. Cuba has one of the best public health systems in the Americas. Given these successes and its program of international medical support, why not at least listen to its successful approach to the pandemic? In a word, Florida. The decision to exclude Cuba is not based on the larger America's reality. It is a cynical sop to Florida's powerful 
anti-Cuba lobby and its outsized influence in the upcoming U.S. midterm elections. The U.S. decision to pick and choose rather than host a genuine summit of the Americas is unfortunate. What is now shaping up is a summit of U.S. regional friends, a lost opportunity for Washington to deal honestly with major regional challenges. And again, in my opinion, comes to us courtesy of Al Jazeera from the desk of John Kirk, who is a professor of Latin American studies at Dalhousie University in Halifax, Canada. He has hit the nail on the head if you ask me. Nothing else for me to say. <laughs> Biden told... Biden talks, oh, sorry, Biden talks gun control extremism with New, New Zealand's Prime Minister. President Joe Biden praised New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern on Thursday, on Tuesday rather, for her success in curbing domestic extremism and guns as he tries to persuade a reluctant Congress to tighten gun laws in the aftermath of horrific mass shootings in Uvalde, Texas, and Buffalo, New York. The long Planned talks between Biden and Ardern were to center on trade, climate, and security in the Indo-Pacific. But the two leaders' starkly different experiences in pushing for gun control loomed large in the conversation. Ardern successfully won passage of gun control measures in her country after a white supremacist gunman killed 51 Muslim worshippers at two Christchurch mosques in 2019. Less than a month later, all but one of the country's 120 lawmakers voted in favor of banning military-style semi-automatic weapons. Biden told reporters at the start of his meeting with Ardern that we will meet with the Congress on guns, I promise you. But the White House has acknowledged that winning new gun legislation will be an uphill climb in an evenly divided Congress. The U.S. President praised Ardern for her galvanizing leadership on New Zealand's efforts to curb the spread of extremism online and said he wanted to hear more about the conversations in her country about the issue. Ardern and French President Emmanuel Macron in 2019 launched an effort to work with tech companies on eliminating terrorist and violent extremist content online. Then-President Donald Trump declined to join the effort, but the Biden administration has since joined the Christchurch call to action. Biden, over the weekend, traveled to Uvalde, Texas to grieve with the community that he said made clear to him they want to see Washington tighten gun laws in the aftermath of the shooting. Yep. <laughs> Biden heard similar calls for an overall of the nation's gun laws earlier this month when he met with families of 10 black people who were killed in a racist attack at a Buffalo supermarket. Ardern offered condolences and said she stood ready to share anything that we can share that would be of value from New Zealand's experience. Our experience, she said, demonstrated our need for gun reform, but it also demonstrated what I think is an international issue around violent extremism and terrorism online. That is an area where we see absolutely partnership that we can continue to work on those issues. It's unclear what, if anything, from New Zealand could be applicable to the United States, which hasn't passed a major federal gun control measure 
since soon after 2012 Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting in Connecticut that left 26 dead. Our Darn, in comments to reporters, said the two countries' political systems are very different. Speaking of the Christchurch shooting, she said that in the aftermath of that, the New Zealand public had an expectation that if we knew what the problem was, that we do something about it. We had the ability with actually the near unanimous support of parliamentarians to place a ban on semi-automatic military-style weapons and assault rifles, and so we did just that. But the New Zealand public set the expectations first and foremost. The New Zealand Prime Minister did not urge any particular course of action to Biden during their talks, but expressed a broad understanding of what the United States is going through. Ardern last week, during a speech at Harvard University's commencement, spoke to the scourge of disinformation that is spread and amplified on social media. She said it represents a threat to fragile democracies. The Christchurch gunman was radicalized online. The attack, like the Buffalo supermarket rampage, was live-streamed on social media, she noted. The time has come for social media companies and other online providers to recognize their power and act on it, she said at Harvard. Do we think that he has to speak with the leader of another country, really? What has she said that is different from what we are saying right here in this space in Coffee and Toe? What has she said that's different from what we have said? Right, but as, as I mentioned in the chat, though, uh, before you even read this story, what, like, New Zealand and Canada and those countries don't have why they could pass these laws so quickly. They don't have the, the, the Second Amendment, which is a deterrence in any time we want to do something when it comes to the, the to gun control. So, uh, honestly, I just think that needs to be updated. They don't have that problem, so they could pass laws real quickly. But, Dre, didn't we read, was it this week or was it last week, where... Quote was read from President Biden saying that the Second Amendment is not absolute. So if it's not absolute, then what's the problem? Right, it's not absolute, but no one wanna touch it. <laughs> no no one wanna touch it. That that's the problem. The politicians they're just they're just not bold. And even though Biden is saying that, I don't think he's bold enough to 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 to, to, to go ahead and do what he's talking about. I think it's just talk. And do that Congress. There's no way for him to do that as much as he'd like to. Yeah, he put an executive order out today. Hold on, Dre, hold on. Go ahead, Sana. Yeah, he puts an executive order out today and then and that's all it's gonna all it is an executive order that was gonna stop something for maybe a month, two months, and then Congress is gonna vote on it and vote it down until we can get them all to like realize that this it's unnecessary to have these these type of weapons, then I don't think anything's gonna happen. And and moments the reason why I think it was important for him to listen to her is because she's gotten it done in her country but like Dre is saying she doesn't have the same holds in her country like the us does right thank you so now go ahead um who, who was next oh man, we go ahead Alpha, go ahead yeah yeah you know them people where they don't have no interest of doing anything about gun laws or you see the matter about the buffalo thing they have no, they, they, they're not interested in doing anything for putting like a hate crime bill for help protect um, black people either. Because just the other day, I invited this Korean pop group, BT, 
BTS or something like so and all them are described um um uh, oh, god damn it um they don't talk about um can't believe they never come out of any anyway, they don't, yeah they don't have meetings and a talk about oh um, uh, um, hate crimes against Asians and stuff like that. You get me? So, uh, you know, uh, the man just putting on if the people face over and over. Look, when the just like a talk, tell them nothing on a wall lamp on that, and then keep it moving. We are gonna do everything else. We are gonna do ask for. <laughs> we don't know what else. We don't know. You come like the man have to come out directly and just say, hey, look. <laughs> People, I know said this no one, but I don't want to give it to you. No, but now I got to do nothing about it. So yeah, I could just come off for this. Or if no continue come to me about it, but just like a continue, I got telling us something when I, when I might want to hear, and that's about it. Come like that left for the man come out and say, you know what I mean? Because a shooting take place, there's the buffalo thing, you know that obvious. The man of the N word mark on him gun everything. You get me? Him, him have a manifesto. Everything, him kill the people, him, him come, him put on some piece of flowers, you know, him and his wife, and him, and him say whatever, sloganizing, and him gone about him business. Then, look later, you hear about oh, the shooting with the with little you know, um, kids, them at the school. You get what I say? And I pay a go around, go around, go around, go around corner. And, but yes, you, you can call in some Korean pop group to sit down and talk about hate crime against Asian Americans. But, yo, but. but all right, and it's time for us to take a break. Um, here's what we need to be looking at DJ Naturalist presents classic Sundays every Sunday, 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern. And tune into Naturalist Live with DJ Naturalist every Monday and Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern inside the Quality Music Zone. QMZRadio.com. It's music news and naturalist views. Monday nights are made for days after dark. It's real relationship talk. Join Moments, Sinatra, Solo, and Marlon at 10 p.m. Eastern on Clubhouse. And tune into QMZRadio.com and JohnNoRadio.com. Join us Monday, June 6th, when we kick off Season 3 with more stimulating conversations. Don't forget to check out the John No Radio crew on JohnNoRadio.com and download the app today, J-A-H-K-N-O, available in your Apple and Google Play stores. Join Rosolo for the Rosolo Show every Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern. And right after that, DJ Rookie brings you Vibes Tuesday from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern. DJ Indu hosts take over Thursday, 4 to 7 p.m. Eastern and returns on a Sunday, 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern with Sunday Best. DJ Lenkimatic brings us the dance hall mix every Thursday, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern. And then come Friday, Mixmaster Kavan gets your weekend started with Wanted Fridays every Friday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. And he comes back on a Saturday, 7 to 10 with Freestyle Saturday. DJ Simple takes over with Blazing Saturdays, 4 to 7 p.m. Eastern, and Big People Sunday, 4 to 7 p.m. Eastern. Coming up after the music break, we have business and tech news and health and science news. A little more Janet Jackson. She is our hashtag WCW artist for today. So 
courtesy of Marlon, he selected her, said he wanted to hear her voice today. So we're going to be hearing Escapade and Miss You Much.
Thank you to all our listeners tuned in on QMZRadio.com, JohnNoRadio.com, and everyone here with me on Clubhouse, where the conversation happens. You're listening to Coffee and Toe World News on the go every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. Starting tomorrow, every Thursday, we will be on Future FM 98.9 in the Bronx, Westchester, and Mount Vernon. That being said, just a few housekeeping rules. So, in addition to streaming on um, Jano Radio and QMZ Radio, we've started streaming on Future FM, which is on an FM dial. It's ter- terrestrial radio, and that's up in New York. That being said, please keep in mind we cannot use any profanity derogatory language or cultural or racial smears if this happens unfortunately we will have to move folks to the audience which we don't want to have to do because you know we want people to be able to express themselves but we just need everyone to do so in a respectful fashion so i just want to say thank you in advance for your cooperation all right and now it is time for a little what do you say business news yeah, it's time for business news. We're going to check in with what's going on. I need to learn to say this right. Business and tech news. I don't know why I keep leaving off the, t- the tech part. But, you know, I'm going to get it. Don't worry. I'll get it right. Jerry's to participate in hiring program for at-risk youth. I'm loving this story. On Tuesday, Ben and Jerry's announced its participation in Unlock Potential, a groundbreaking targeted employment initiative for young people at risk of incarceration. Employers hope to leverage hiring to improve racial justice, recruit the next generation of business leaders, and break the poverty to prison pipeline through unlock potential. The importance of second chance employment efforts cannot be overstated, but hiring individuals when they are released from prison is not enough. We have to be taking steps to stop them from ending up there in the first place, said Matthew McCarthy, CEO of Ben and Jerry's. Data shows that meaningful employment opportunities are one of the most impactful ways to prevent future incarceration. Unlock Potential will create those first chances. The Unlock Potential program, supported by Walmart.org's Center for Racial Equity, addresses the profound racial disparity and economic immobility caused by engagement with the legal system. For example, first-time incarceration can result in a 30% decline in lifetime wages. BIPOC or BIPOC, I hope, is that how they pronounce that? The abbreviation? Let me let me just say. B- That's one. Yeah, BIPOC. BIPOC. There we go. Thank you, Sunet. BIPOC communities are disproportionately affected by these barriers. Black Americans are incarcerated over five times the rate of whites. And studies have shown that having a criminal record has a 40% greater negative impact 
unemployment for black men. Unlock potential can decrease economic exclusion and assist break intergenerational poverty cycles by preventing incarceration before it occurs. The program will also assist businesses in dealing with an extraordinary labor scarcity, the growing need to invest in future leaders, and in their commitments to a more just and equitable society. Unlock potential is a critical component in advancing our racial equity work, said Ali Reed. Ben and Jerry's Senior Retail Racial Equity and Inclusion Manager. Creating meaningful career opportunities for black and brown at-risk youth supports skill development and economic mobility in the communities we serve and exist in. The program will focus on the 4.4 million disconnected youth in the United States between the ages of 16 and 24 who are not enrolled in school or working. Adverse outcomes such as poverty and jail are significantly more likely for these young adults than their peers. Kudos to Ben and Jerry's. Good job. Yeah, for real, man. It's a good team. Wife, so they always do things for black people, you know what I mean? Over there, march with them and stuff like that. So, a long time they did this, you know? So, it's a, it's a good look for real, you know what I mean? Definitely. And I would implore many organizations to get on board. I remember I used to watch this show, um, Sweetie Pies, that used to come on the OWN network, um, where the owner, a lot of her workers who were not family members were people who had been through the system. And she believed in giving people a second chance. And I think many of us need to do that. Because it is true. You do earn 40% less because you, you come out of jail, you are re-familiarized with society, and they want to pay you only minimum wage, regardless of your skills, regardless of you know your prior work experience. So I applaud Ben and Jerry's, and again, as I said, I implore other institutions to join forces and do the same. In Health and Science News, a Facebook sperm donor who fathered 15 children is accused of never telling the mothers he has an inheritable condition that causes learning disabilities. James MacDougall, 37, fathered children with lesbian women through private donations advertised on social media. However, he was well aware that he had an incurable fragile X syndrome, a genetic disorder that leads to low IQ and developmental delay that he never disclosed. MacDougall's identity was revealed due to a family court battle in Derby, uh, United Kingdom, when he applied for parental responsibility and child arrangement orders for four of his children. Despite him originally signing an agreement saying he didn't want contact with some of his children, the New York Post reported. The mothers of the children were opposed to the applications. Derby. Let me ask you, because in the States they say Derby. In the English system, I'm accustomed to Derby. How do they pronounce it in England? Is it Derby? Although it's spelled D-E-R-B-Y. Kind of like the word lieutenant. In the English system, it's pronounced lieutenant. The Americans pronounce it lieutenant. But anyway, um, Derby Court Judge Justice Natalie Livian released McDougall's identity so that other women would stop using him as a sperm donor and also ruled that he should not have any responsibility for the children as it would cause them harm. 
The judge also prohibited him from applying for a court order for the next three years because of his lack of insight into his conduct and because it would traumatize the mothers. The court heard from one woman only identified as SW, who is 25. She contacted McDougall after seeing his advertisement. Her children are now three and two years old. SW's three-year-old child is nonverbal and has challenging behavior because of fragile X syndrome. After giving birth, she contacted McDougall and he would come and visit often. She got pregnant with her second child while he lived in her home during the COVID-19 lockdown, but she asked him to leave in June 2020. She accuses him of making sexual comments toward her and says he showered the, with the baby at least twice. He was arrested in June 2020 for attacking her. In a different court, McDougall won a case that allowed him to have regular contact with the boy he fathered in 2018. The child returned home with non-accidental bruises and Livienne adjourned the case until social services provided a report. McDougall decided to go through a private sperm donation because he knew he couldn't go through a clinic with his condition. The judge had no confidence that he would let mothers know the implications of fragile X syndrome. There is a very specific benefit in his being named in the hope that women will look him up on the internet and see this judgment. The judge ruled after refusing his lawyer's request for anonymity. The usual approach of anonymity in the family courts should not be used as a way for parents to behave in an unacceptable manner and then hide behind the cloak of anonymity. McDougall's adoptive parents supported their son's defense, claiming he's a victim. He's kind-hearted and would do anything for anybody, but he's gullible, June said. Bravo, bravo, court systems for always putting these people out on front street. Thank you. Yeah, a hundred percent, Sinead. And his parents are making him the victim. Not the woman, not the children. Excuse me, sorry about that. Not the woman, not the children. How did he become the victim? For lying. And then now there needs to be some amount of responsibility taken by these private clinics. Shouldn't they be held to a higher standard than the, the, the regular clinics? He know he couldn't go through a regular clinic with his condition because he knew the screening was intense. So he was very deliberate. And you're going to say, you're going to paint him as the victim. He knew exactly what he was doing. He avoided the clinic to avoid the detection or him having to reveal his condition. That is wickedness. Sheer wickedness. I'm sorry. And if your son is wrong, you need to let your son know he is wrong. Kind of like the, 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 the man that was killed, the 18-year-old boy, uh, Man Salvador. His mother is defending him in his, in his death. He must have had a reason for doing what he did. He must have had a reason for killing 21 people. Really? Is that what you say as a mother? And here goes this mother. Or is it the mother? Hold on, let me go back. Yeah. 
He's kind-hearted and would do anything for anybody, but he's gullible. Uh, I'm missing something there, really. And clearly June is missing something there too about her son. But they do say, ain't no love like the love of a mother. And I think that's why they say God must be a woman. We do have to take another music break coming right up. We have sports news, Caribbean Corner, and news out of Latin America. But here's a little more Janet Jackson, our hashtag WCW artist for today with feedback. And coming up right after that, Black Cat.
Thank you to all our listeners tuned in on QMZRadio.com, JohnnoRadio.com, and everyone here with me on Clubhouse where the conversation happens. You're listening to Coffee and Toe World News on the go every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. Starting tomorrow, every Thursday, we will be on Future FM 98.9 in the Bronx, Westchester, and Mount Vernon. You just heard Janet Jackson, our hashtag Feature Friday artist for today, as she delivered feedback and Black Cat. And I need the men in the WhatsApp group chat to cut me some slack. <laughs> They're going it on me. But I'll, I'll address you all after the show, okay? After the show, I'll address you all. They're making fun of me, but it's all good. I enjoy it. So now it's time for sports news. A rare PMG card signed by Kobe Bryant is up for sale for possibly more than a whopping $1 million. A 1997 Skybox Metal Universe uh, Metal Gems number 81, Kobe Bryant, signed by the late baller, is up on the auction block. According to TMZ, it is one of the rarest cards in existence, being number 60 out of 100. With Bryant having signed it, it makes the card's value and rarity that much greater, the news outlet reports. The card was authenticated and graded by Mint 9 by PSA, and it's slated to possibly be sold for $1 million. The card has already been bid on 10 times, with the highest bid coming in at $130,000. Is $1 million reasonable for the, um, what you call it? sports fans the basketballer fans the kobe bryant fans is that a far reach or is it reasonable i don't know if i'd pay a million dollars for a card that can be destroyed by fire just me i don't know what's your thing for a billy the kid photo so that's again i thought i didn't hear you clearly go again how much you think for a billy the kid photo who is billy the kid uh, I am Western criminal with them love it. put act as if he's a hero idolized and ability the kid okay. um, yeah so if you have a, a rare photo of him a criminal mm -hmm. which okay. them idolize uh, that I go for like a million dollars or one point something million dollars because he was famous um, back in the back in a, you know the Western time you know what I mean okay interesting I learned something new today Billy the kid all right thank you don't want to know um how much it would cost yeah former Penn swimmer leah thomas who's 23 says she has a goal to compete in the olympics after transitioning to the women's team after three years on the men's team during her first televised interview with abc's juju chang thomas talked about her contentious season at the university of pennsylvania she became the first transgender woman to win a division one national title I knew there would be scrutiny against me if I competed as a woman. I was prepared for that. But I also don't need anyone's permission to be myself and do the sport I love. Furthermore, Thomas addressed the concerns that she still had a physical advantage over the female swimmers despite undergoing a year of hormone therapy. There's a lot of factors that go into a race and how well you do. And the biggest change for me is that I'm happy and sophomore year, when I had my best times competing with the men, I was miserable. 
So having that be lifted is incredibly re relieving and allows me to put my all into training and racing, she said. Trans people don't transition for athletics. We transition to be happy and authentic and our true selves. Transitioning to get an advantage is not something that ever factors into our decisions. Thomas noted that cisgender female athletes had varied physical body types as well as and questioned whether they too should be disqualified for having the upper hand. I'm not a medical expert, but there's a lot of variation among cis female athletes, she said. There are cis women who are very tall and very muscular and have more testosterone than other cis women. And should that then also disqualify them? In March, Thomas became the first transgender athlete to win a Division I national title when she won the 500 free final by just over a second against Olympic medalist and Virginia standout Emma Wiant, setting a program record. She also competed in two other events, placing fifth in the 200-meter freestyle and dead last in the 100-meter freestyle. Members of the Penn women's swimming team spoke out anonymously against Thomas's involvement, claiming that it jeopardized the sport's credibility, but they also expressed support for her choice to transition. You can't go halfway and be like, I support trans women and trans people, but only to a certain point, Thomas said. Where, if you support trans women as women, and they've met all the NCAA requirements, then I don't know if you can really say something like that. She continued to say trans women are not a threat to women's sports. Thomas told Chang that she planned to keep swimming and included in the Olympics. It's been a goal of mine to swim at Olympic trials for a very long time, and I would love to see that through. I do have a couple of questions because I want to learn. I want to go back to, and if anyone with knowledge, please enlighten me, or I'll just do research afterwards. For someone who is transitioning and they take hormones, does that mean it reduces your biological um, masculinity? Meaning, let us say in this scenario, you're going to compete. Are you now more comparable to a woman or are you still in line with a man's strength. Anybody has any answers on that for me? From a medical perspective, from a scientific scientific perspective. Yeah, moments. I, I don't think there's anything to prove that that um, doing um, taking those hormone stuff will change the, the advantage that that a trans person would have as you know being born has a a male with with certain physical um advantage i, I don't i don't think it would, would change anything and it it yeah it, it's just i don't know it's, it's just disturbing it's just disturbing and 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 i don't know like one of the the problem that i'm having is that like people in the lgbtq community should be able to come out and say look you you have your right to 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 choose what you want to be but you know you're putting um these women that train all their lives to achieve um certain um things in sport and you're just going to step in overnight and just blow them out of the water because of your 
advantage. And, and, and that's not fair, you know? Like, and the fact that there's not more people coming out against it, like everyone is just like, oh, we should support, we should support you as your right to, to be a woman. Nobody is, is, is fighting, like, you know, that person's right to want to be a woman, but it, 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 it's, 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 not, it's just not fair. And one of the things that a lot of like international media has not covered in in a big way happens um, to do with with the war in in Ukraine, where it came out that um, transgender were trying to get out of the war um, because they were trying to draft um, all the males. Like you cannot leave the country if you're a male, and all of a sudden, uh, uh, um, some of the transgender who identify as male wanted to to prove that no i transition so i'm really a female so like i should not be drafted in this war and that was something that was covered up by international media and i just think it's it's wrong in so many ways it, it, it's just wrong okay let me let me ask you this james and i'm going into the article right she made a point she made a point there are cis women who are very tall very muscular and have more testosterone. I never thought about that. That is a valid point. There are some women who you have to look twice because you wonder, is that a man or is that a woman? Because of how they're built. I have seen them in warehouses. I have seen them on construction sites. I have seen them just out and about. So how do we argue that point? Um, but there's no point to argue. No one in the in the sports um, arena really care about how they look, if they're muscular, they're tall. What they care about is the testosterone level when competing against women. Um, so even um, you see with the Africans, uh, a lot of the the ones that are so-called hermaphrodites or whatever, they have to get their testosterone level below a certain number. I, I don't know what it is. So as long as they are not below... Um, a certain number they can't they, 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 they can't perform in the race because they have an unfair advantage they're running almost like a man and I, I I don't really get her point it's unfair for her to say that you can't um, support transgender to an extent yes you can do that to an extent because um, we're looking at competing against women if your testosterone if I've seen places where um, here in the states I, I think the first time i seen it was in georgia where they have places where you could go and reduce your testosterone or get more or whatever so they need to get it below that level whether they're transgender or whatever and if they're not doing that they're not supposed to be able to compete it's unfair it's it, it's just unfair just like you can't take certain drugs because it gives you an unfair advantage so if having more testosterone than a regular um, female give you an unfair ad advantage, no one should be arguing that. You know, do what you need to do to get it to the level so you can compete fairly. And that's just how I see it. Agreed. Exactly. Agreed. Yeah, agree. Because they are doing to Semenya. She's yes, a born sir. female. And according to, the, to them, she have a high testosterone and it's unfair and they want her to do their banning her from races they want her to take all sorts of drugs she even has to strip to show them look she actually has a female actual female parts but yes still it's okay for a man to wake up 
to follow him on and say, hey, you know what, I'm a female, so I'm going to go into sports and no one should have nothing to say. And that is why I'm stand by what I always say. These people have an agenda, whether they don't want to believe it or not. They have an agenda and they don't care about nobody else's rights as long as they get what they want. And, and, and that's where it is. Yeah, sorry, and a moment. And yes. remember, this is this is not new. Remember, um, that South African guy that killed his girlfriend, Pretoria. Like, yeah, yeah, he had he had a warm. He had to go through a lot of stuff to to convince people that you can run against other athletes without an, an advantage. So, so for 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 this person to come and say like, oh, like to make people feel bad, like oh, we're against transgender. You're not supporting a hundred percent. Is disingenuine mm -hmm. because you know, like if. A NBA player that's sitting on the bench, that's making a million dollars a year, that's not a superstar, could easily say, you know what, I could transition and go into the WNBA and be like at the top of the league mm. because of my, my advantage. And, and, you know, where are we going to start drawing a line where, right. you know, yeah. and, and, and you, you, you want to, to, to do this thing to, to take the advantages. But what about the disadvantages? Like, as I said before, the, with, with, the, with the old thing with the war, being drafted as male, you know, take everything. You have to, if, if you're going to take the advantages, take the disadvantages too, and, and don't try to run guilt trip on people that we're not supporting, you know? Agreed. I have to agree with all of you. Um, Dre, you said something um, that I want to zero in on. Hermaphrodites. They can, can't they choose to be male or female? because yes, they're they born like that right aren't there we have god made them like that right right so um w what i know about that situation is um when they're kind of like really young they they, they don't really want to you know mess with them until they get older and see what um gender they lead lean more towards mm -hmm. And then they'll make a decision like this person is more female or this person is more male, right? But even in sports, right, um, if if the, the, the person is more female, they still have more testosterone than a normal female because, you know, okay. both gender thing, okay. right? So they have to be, um, they have to reduce those, the, the testosterone level to compete. And I don't remember, I think it's Mumba, I don't remember the name of this girl. She, she, she normally competes in the 100 and 200 with Elaine. And Shelly, and she from one of those African countries. And I have a problem with her because the time she's running as a teenager, when she reach around 21, she will be unbeatable. And she needs to get her testosterone level down because she's at, at like 17, 18. She's, she's running almost like Elaine and them, coming second and third. She's and a like, hermaphrodite? Yo. She is. Okay. She is. And, um... They banned her from the 400, pretty much. Okay. They banned her from the four, I think the, the 400, and they allowed her to run the 200 and 100. They banned her from the 400 because her testosterone level right. said that okay. she would last longer in the race okay. because of okay. her level. So she cannot run the 400, and they made her run the 2 and one And the way that little girl as a teenager run against Elaine and Shellyan, and I'm looking like, yo yeah in the next three years when she 2021 she's going to be unbeatable and they are looking at it right now mm -hmm. to see what mm -hmm. you're going to do so i mean an unfair advantage is an unfair advantage you can have a smoke marijuana within 
competition because they say that it relaxes you. Right, right. Yeah, that whole Chicago incident, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's a mental game also. So if you're relaxed, you have an unfair advantage, mm. right? So unfair is unfair. It doesn't matter about if it's drugs or if it's gender or whatever. Everybody have to play on the same field, and, 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 and that's how I see it. Okay, thank you, Dre. And now it is time for Caribbean Corner. Cayman Islands raises the bar for digital transformation in the Caribbean. Okay, Cayman. The Cayman Islands Judicial Administration, CIJA, is raising the bar on how courts use technology to deliver timely justice. The Caribbean Agency for Justice Solutions, CAJS, under a memorandum of understanding with CIJA, recently implemented the first phase of the Cayman Islands Digital Transformation Initiative. A key goal was to replace the the Judicial Administration's legacy case management system with a more modern web-based system to eliminate the need for paper-based filing of documents at the court. The project, which began in September 2021, now enables CIJA to better meet the increasing demand for digitally-based court services. Chief Justice Anthony Smelly recently hosted a team from CAJS comprising Chief Technology Officer Richard Wall, Director of Legal Affairs Theo Jones, and Project Coordinator Denicia Francisco. He said that thanks to the CAJS team, the project has been proceeding at a rapid pace. Does Jamaica have a digital system within the legal um, field? No, we don't know. Okay. <laughs> so kudos to you cayman islands hopefully other islands will join you know join the band hop on the bandwagon let me say it that way dominica approves legislation governing virtual currencies the dominica government has defended its decision to pass the virtual asset business legislation saying the emergence of virtual assets regionally and globally has generated growing public interest and diverse legislative responses the island joins St. Nevis and Antigua and Barbuda in the nine-member sub-regional organization of Eastern Caribbean states that have passed similar legislation. A virtual asset is a digital representation of value that can be traded or transferred digitally. Virtual assets can be used for making payments or investments, said Planning and Economic Development Dr. Vince Henderson, when speaking with Parliament on Monday night. He said cryptocurrencies such as bitcoins are examples of virtual assets and that although the trading or transfer of virtual assets do not currently pose a material risk to financial stability in Dominica, the government has recognized the need to put the necessary regulatory framework in place. He said this will ensure vigilant monitoring of this new rapidly developing and potentially disruptive financial instrument. So they're taking heed and they're making plans. And we head to Jamaica for our next story. The opposition wants mask mandate reinstated amid the COVID spike. 
The main opposition, People's National Party, PNP, on Tuesday reiterated its earlier call for the Jamaica government to reintroduce the mandate for face mask wearing to curb the spread of the coronavirus pandemic after the island registered 190 new cases on Monday. According to the latest statistics from the Ministry of Health and Wellness, Jamaica has now registered 137,266 infections and a death toll of 3,056 since the first case was registered two years ago. There are 3,412 confirmed active cases on the island. U.S. lists eight Jamaican parishes Americans should avoid. Why are they imposing um, restrictions on our little island when we have a problem here in this country? Uh, moments when we read it this morning, I'm always a said from last year and whenever the master do that. But my know the answer Jamaica has no backbone, they have nothing, so they must keep the mouth shut and just, yeah, just make America do its thing, you know. <laughs> so, let me, let me read the article. The United States on Tuesday, May 31st, in a level three travel advisory urged Americans to reconsider visiting Jamaica, listing eight of the country's 14 parishes that are an increased risk due to crime. In fact, with the advisory being issued just ahead of the summer travel season, the U.S. has singled out the popular resort town of Montego Bay in St. James as an area to avoid due to crime. The parishes Americans are being told not to travel to are, listen up folks, Clarendon, Hanover, Kingston, St. Andrew, St. Anne, St. Catherine, St. James, and Westmoreland. Violent crimes such as home invasions, armed robberies, sexual assaults, and homicides are common. Sexual assaults occur frequently, including at all-inclusive resorts, the advisory said. It also added that local police lack the resources to respond effectively to serious criminal incidents. Um, do we have armed robbers in the United States of America? Or we don't? <laughs> do we have home invasions in the United States of America? Or am I living in the wrong country? Let's talk about sexual assaults. We read them almost every day in here. Right? Hold on, Afalabi, please. We talk about sexual assaults in here every day. And it's, we only pick up on one case. And remember, we have 50, what, 50 states, so we don't even report all the states, all the cities, all the towns. Homicides. Every day. Turn the news on. Whether, and let me speak for being here in South Florida. Whether you go to WSVN Channel 7, whether you go to ABC, NBC, CBS, um, whether you turn on CNN, MSNBC, wherever you go. Homicides. Common. Huh? Common. Um, we have police here in the States, but don't they drag their feet too? And they have more resources than we do in Jamaica? I I'm just trying to understand. Why would the U.S. give out a warning, an advisory warning for going to Jamaica when the U.S. has the same problems day in, day out? Make that make sense. Make that make sense. And then 
you're going to single out the eight parishes of which we know St. John, St. James, and Westmoreland. Those three parishes carry the bulk of tourism into the country. Those three parishes are responsible for the revenue from the tourism industry. So right away, the U.S. that the Jamaican government looks up to is credit to cripple your economy by giving out this advisory. I hope the government of Jamaica is looking at this, really looking at this, and not with scant regard. Your income, your source of revenue, the number one revenue source of the island can be crippled because of what the U.S., the advisory of the U.S. government. But moments, remember, it's the, it's the U.S. job to protect it, it, its citizens, you know. So, I mean, you can't really blame them. Um, it's the Jamaican government job to fix the, 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 the crime problem. There is a big problem in St. James. Um, it might not trickle down to the hip strip, you know, but with the scamming, there's a big problem. I, I don't see St. Anne as much. Um, you know, Westmoreland is a big problem going on over there. The same scamming thing. And Kingston is Kingston, right? But it's the U.S. job to protect their citizens. It's our job as Jamaican to fix this issue and stop turning our backs on this issue. I agree you with know, you, Don, but let me ask you a you question. Know. Is the U.S. really taking care of its citizens? Right, that's a moment. Well, they're not taking care of their they're not taking care of their citizens in what in what way? Monetary health care. Yeah, we know that. But as travel with their citizens going out of the countries, that's something they do all the time and post up place that they think dangerous. Even like like normally if you go on, 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 on their website, you know, they will tell you, um, go go to Brazil. They do it all to real, it's dangerous, right? But people still go, but it, it, they have to do that. And if I never seen Jamaica like they, they put out Jamaica like that. So if they do it, Jamaica strike a level where they think it's necessary to post that. Because I never seen they doing it before. So if they put it up, you know, that means there's something really serious going on that um, we don't see or we ignore because we get numb to it you know um but i see they do it for brazil all the time and a lot of top tourist destination they do it but that don't really deter americans from going but it's their job they're doing their job okay. and we need to fix our issue you know i it, it hurts it hurts because i'm jamaican <laughs> because i'm jamaican but you have to look at it at the u.s standpoint they're they're doing their job right I get but when you. their citizens come out of the country i feel you so a St. Lucian man accused of sexually assaulting minor commits suicide. A 59-year-old St. Lucian man took his own life after he was accused of sexual assault against a minor. According to reports, the father of two ingested a poisonous substance in the presence of his wife. She told investigators that her husband had returned home from work and was relaxing in the living room area when a woman and her daughter came to the home making the allegations. The wife of the accused said her husband denied the claims and threatened to kill himself when she told him about the allegations being levied against him. 
He then went to a shed close to the family home and ingested the substance. The wife said her attempts to stop him were futile. The man was pronounced dead at hospital. Investigations into um, what went on is ongoing. The U.S. president declares June National Caribbean American Heritage Month. United States President Joe Biden has declared June as National Caribbean American Heritage Month, saying that America's strength has always been rooted in its diversity. Since our nation's founding, generation after generation of immigrants have helped build this country and the prosperity and opportunity that draws so many immigrants to America would not be possible without the contributions and legacies of Caribbean Americans, said Biden in a White House proclamation. Today, millions of American, I'm sorry, millions of Caribbean Americans strengthen our country through their vibrant cultures, traditions, languages, and values. In immeasurable ways, Caribbean Americans have added to our American dream. He said that in June, America also celebrates the extraordinary leadership and achievements of Vice President Kamala Harris, the first black American of Jamaican heritage to hold this high office. Harris is the daughter of a retired Jamaican-born economist and an Indian mother. Sports in the Caribbean Professional football, soon to be a reality in the Caribbean. All right. Professional football in the region can soon be a reality. This is according to the Caribbean Football Union, the CFU president, and CONCACAF vice president, Randy Harris. After the short-lived attempt to professionalize the game in the Caribbean approximately 30 years ago, Harris told the media that CFU, CONCACAF, and FIFA are working thoroughly and assiduously to create a product that is sustainable, secure, and one that will provide employment for the region's youth. FIFA Chief Member Associations Officer and Guadeloupe native Kenny Jean-Marie shared several issues influencing the creation of a professional league in the Caribbean. He listed infrastructure, the format of centralized games, and the retention of the best players as three primary challenges. Good looking out. I, I'm, I'm here for that. A Jamaican is among the cast members of the Real Housewives of Dubai. Former Miss Jamaica Universe contestant Lisa Milan Hall is among the cast members of the Real Housewives of Dubai, the American reality show's first international franchise from Bravo TV. She will be one of six new women being inducted into Bravo Network's crown jewel of catfights and marital meltdowns that is beloved, binged, and hate-watched worldwide when the show debuts today. While the franchise has sold countless global spin-offs from Lagos to Vancouver, none have been produced by the Bravo Network before. Cast members told the Associated Press that showing off their extravagant party-hard lives on screen debunks stereotypes about the United Arab Emirates, a Gulf Arab Federation where Islam is the official religion. Hall has been living in Dubai for eight years and shared the news via Instagram. I was made in Kingston, packaged in Miami, and exported to Dubai. I grew up as the only girl in my family, so I'm used to being the princess, and now I am the queen. I will have you know, folks, that a lot of the, um, what you call them, Dubaians, they're not happy about this at all because they say they shouldn't be. This is not a true reflection of housewives in Dubai. One man in particular spoke out and said, 
the women in Dubai are modest they the way in how they dress and they're focused on family values and raising their children not flaunting themselves scantily and this is not a representation of Dubai yeah I think it's a very bad idea it's like bringing the ghetto to Dubai Dubai I mean it's just not at Real Housewives of Atlanta is not a true reflection of people that live in Atlanta they're no reflection of me so I, I, I just, I'm sick of the franchise. That's not, I'm not watching it. I don't watch it. I don't support it anymore. It's just a bunch of women just cackling and acting crazy. It, it, it makes no sense. And now we're taking it to Dubai. Mm. It depicts women in a poor light, Rosolo. Very, very poor light. It, and, and unfortunately, and I'm not saying it doesn't happen with the other races, but unfortunately, we are made to look worse for some reason. Why? I don't know. And we feed it, but people will say, I'm getting my checks, so I really don't care. And that's a problem with me too. And they encourage the drama. That's the whole yeah. thing. I live in Atlanta. I've been, I know what, they encourage the drama. If you go on these sets and you're calm and, you, and you, you know, you're not arguing with anyone and you're not causing a bunch of drama, they don't want you on, they don't, you're not gonna be on the show for long. Yeah. I can name them, because I know them. Yeah, you're you know, absolutely They're not gonna be here around the show for long, but when you wanna throw tables and throw glasses, and I have never been in a conversation with someone and they disagreed with me and they ever thought to throw a glass at me. That does not happen in normal life. Right. Okay, so they're, they're no, and I'm not talking about it in a hood way, I'm just talking, even, you know, where they, how they, present themselves on, on, on television. That's not how we operate here in Atlanta, other than Carnival the other day when they were doing the nonsense, sorry. But <laughs> I digress. But it's, 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 a poor, it's a poor reflection. And to go to Dubai, and I'm just, that's so disappointing. It's, it's in this case. I just don't like it. Yeah. I'm sorry. The, the I'll, people, I'll yeah. shut my mouth. The people in Dubai are not happy about it. I was story out of Latin America. Um, Cuba relaxes mask mirroring rules no longer mandatory as of that was as of yesterday. Good for you, Cuba. Cuba's Ministry of Public Health announced that from Monday, May 31st. No, from hold on a second. What 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 is today? What what day of the week is this? Wednesday, right? Loop news. It's Wednesday, June 1st. Yeah, loop first news. How can Monday be the 31st? Get your get your act together, Loop. Come on, don't let me call you out. <laughs> so Cuba has eliminated on a general basis the mandatory use of masks for all social activities. Notwithstanding, the general relaxation of the mask rule, hospitals and other restricted areas may still require mask use to access their services. People who represent uh, or who present respiratory symptoms must also wear a mask. Lastly, vulnerable members of the population should continue to wear a mask to protect themselves not just against COVID-19. So anybody wants to go to Cuba, carry on. You don't have to worry too much, all right? So coming up after the music break, we do have, believe it or not, news plus entertainment news still to come. Here is a little more Janet Jackson with What Have You Done For Me Lately? Ooh, yeah, I'll let her do the singing, not me. I can't, all right? don't forget to check out DJ Naturalist as he presents Classic Sundays every Sunday 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern and tune into Naturalist Live with DJ Naturalist every Monday and Tuesday 5 p.m. Eastern 
inside the Quality Music Zone, QMCRadio.com. It's music news and naturalist views. Monday nights are made for days after dark. It's real relationship talk. Join Moments in Natural Solo and Marlon at 10 p.m. Eastern on Clubhouse and tune into QMZRadio.com and JohnNoRadio.com. Join us Monday, June 6 as we kick off Season 3 with more stimulating conversations. Check out the John No Radio crew on JohnNoRadio.com and download the app today, J-A-H-K-N-O, available in your Apple and Google Play stores. Join Rosola for the Rosolo Show every Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, and check out DJ Rookie, DJ Indu, DJ Lankimatic, Mixmaster Kavan, and DJ Simple.
Thank you to all our listeners tuned in on QMZRadio.com, JohnNoRadio.com, and everyone here with me on Clubhouse where the conversation happens. You're listening to Coffee and Toll World News on the go every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. Starting tomorrow, every Thursday, we will be on Future FM 98.9 in the Bronx, Westchester, and Mount Vernon. Just a few housekeeping rules for us before we go on the FM dial up there in New York. We just have to remind everyone that in addition to streaming on Jano Radio and QMZ Radio, we will be on Terrestrial Radio. That's Future FM 98.9. That being said, please let us keep in mind we cannot use any profanity, no derogatory language or cultural or racial smears. If this happens, I'm so sorry, but we will have to move you to the audience. Thank you in advance for your cooperation, folks. And now it is time for Believe It or Not News. An unarmed pregnant black woman shot five times by police after reportedly putting her hands up. And this comes to us courtesy of Baller Report. An unarmed black pregnant woman is fighting for her life after police shot her five times. The shocking incident unfolded in Kansas City, Missouri, on Friday, as officers responded to reports of an armed carjacking, the officers stopped the vehicle at a family dollar on Prospect in East 6th Avenue because it matched the description of a reported stolen vehicle shortly before 8 p.m. The male driver exited the car and fled, while 26-year-old Leona Hale slowly got out of the vehicle. When Kansas City Police Department officers ordered her to get on the ground, she put her hands up and informed them she couldn't because she was pregnant. When they asked Haley if there was a weapon in the car, she confirmed there was, though at no point was she holding the weapon or any object that could have been mistaken for one. According to a witness, the woman appeared to have become frightened. The witness says she watched Haley back away towards a fence as officers drew their guns. That is when they began rapidly firing at her. I remember it because it didn't stop. They shot five times, the witness told the star. In a video that the witness filmed following the shooting, the pregnant woman can be seen lying on the ground with blood on her shirt and the witnesses heard screaming she was going to cooperate. The video was shared on social media, sparking outrage about the brutality of the shooting and the officer's lack of regard for Haley's unborn child. Haley was rushed to the hospital in in serious condition, but is now stable. The state of her unborn is unknown. The two officers responsible for shooting Haley have been placed on administrative leave pending an investigation. They're not learning. They're not learning. The officers, the officers are not learning. They're not learning. They're not learning. We just had the case last month. It was last month, correct me if I'm wrong, where the man was held down and shot execution style in his head. Yeah, I think it was last month or that. 
they're not learning. Now, I'm going to say this. The man who had that pregnant woman in the car with him, you're a coward. You left that woman. I don't know if it's the child, you are the father of that child that she's carrying. You're a coward. You are a coward. You left her. You abandoned her. You made her become prey. There are no words for you at this time. No words. Number one, even if she was in agreement with the carjacking, you should see to it that she's not there with you. Number one. Some of us women can be pretty foolish sometimes when we're caught up in love. I don't know if it's love or if it's something, if we're ichmatized. I don't know. That makes us make some decisions that, you know, really don't make sense. But as the man, you should not have had her in that situation. Okay, she's there. You run and leave her? Thankfully, she's not dead. Thankfully. Men, step up. Step up. Women, we need to make better choices. And that's all I'm going to say. A North Carolina man who won $10 million in a lottery prize gets life in prison for murdering his girlfriend. A lottery winner will spend the rest of his life in prison for fatally shooting his girlfriend. Michael Todd Hill made the news in August 2017 when he won a scratch-off ticket for $10 million in Brunswick County, North Carolina. At the time, he was a nuclear plant worker and took a lump sum of $4 million. Only $4 million out of $10 million? Is that what you get after taxes? But I mean, it's $4 million more not, than you not, not correct. <laughs> Nothing not correct moments. I don't think it's correct either. But hey, that's what they have reported. His life appeared to be on the optimistic track, but things took a tragic turn on July 20, 2020, when his 23-year-old girlfriend, Keona Graham, was reported missing by her mother when she failed to show up for her job as a correctional officer. Her body was found inside a room at the Surf Stay Hotel by housekeepers the next day. An autopsy confirmed that she died from a single bullet to the head while she slept. Hill was arrested on July 22nd and confessed to killing Graham. And listen to this, folks. Here's his reason. Because he thought she was texting other men while in the hotel the two had been in a relationship for about a year and a half on friday may 27 judge joshua willie sentenced the 54 year old to life in prison without the possibility of parole in addition he was also given 22 to 36 months for possession of a firearm by a felon hill was married at the time of his lottery winnings it is unclear if he was divorced at the time of graham's murder you 54 years 54 years old go pick up a 23 year old you have a wife your insecurities made you think that she was texting men and you kill her you kill her because of your thoughts
There are so many other young girls out there who are looking for sugar daddies. Even, um, <laughs> let me not say, you know they say uh, when you're over a certain age, you're no longer a side chick, you're a side foe or a side hand. Well, there are many women looking for people to look after them. I was just going to ask how old was the age limit to be a sugar baby? You're past that limit. Um, so, <laughs> so, just checking, Thanks. So, and I was made aware of that by Marlon Rosso because when I said to him, um, I need to go look at Sugar Daddy, you know, you know, help us out around. He was like, mm -hmm. um, you don't qualify anymore. I'm like, what's wrong with me? He's like, no, you're past the age limit. If you want to sign up to be a sugar. <laughs> wow. <laughs> a side foul. <laughs> a side foul. Yeah, but not a side chicken. <laughs> he said, I'm past the sugar baby stage. But he said, so we're I, I, over 37, you're past it. Uh, 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 over 35, you're past it. You're past it. But he did yeah. wish me luck, though. <laughs> <laughs> he wished me luck. Did you all okay, see Okay, I just clarification thank you all for helping i'm a side have you follow side follow have you all seen the tiktok one please tell me y'all have seen it somebody must have reposted it on instagram or on facebook where um of course it's a reenactment but the man answers his wife's phone and the man on the other end of the line is like can i talk to say for example rosolo and he's like who is this i'm rosolo's man hold on i'm her husband Oh, okay, in that case, tell Rosola I'm no longer helping out with the rent, the bills, and so on and so forth. And the husband quickly says, oh, 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 hold on, hold on, I was only joking. I was only joking. <laughs> I am actually her cousin. I will let her know you called. And then he gets off the phone and he says, um, I can't get you that one good man. That's a good man. We have to keep him around. So, almost lost the real one. Almost lost the real one. That's right. So, um... <laughs> Marlon has wished me well. He said, go find that person who is willing to take a chance on you at your age <laughs> because we do need help around here. So um, I got my permission slip, folks. So I'm putting out, I'm going to start the search. Yeah. But, what you say, Marlon? <laughs> retirement is coming up quick, so we need some help. Real wow. Wow. <laughs> we need to put our redundancy clause in the contract too as well. <laughs> I, I thank you, Andal. Yeah. I still hear some bitterness, but okay. Us us files will just go on and do our thing. <laughs> but let me say something. Let me say this, Ro. When I do find that um benefactor, tell him. Thank you. See how that goes. The argument gonna change ching. real quick. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Just like that man's argument no, changed and said, "No, I'm the cousin." Marlon, I mean. Uh, uh, when she finds it, let her know you want three vacation trips per year. Private for those trips. You know what I mean? And it's, those trips are just for you. I mean, we'll write the contract over what, what is, you know, to be. Sounds <laughs> good, sir. Sounds really good. Oh, boy. But now he's going to spend the rest of his life in jail. Well, his wife may get the luxury mm -hmm. of being able to spend the rest of the money. She deserves it. She so deserves on, it. Oh, on her sugar, um, her, her, her little guy, huh? <laughs> that part, Drew. She can't spend, she can't spend that money now freely. <laughs> Marlon, we probably need to go check her out. You know, see what she can do for us. She, she, 
four million dollars that, that's not enough that's not enough it's a start nah. though we have to start somewhere right um, and i think this girl baby steps marlon baby steps uh ain't no baby around here Mar- <laughs> 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 we, need to, we need a bigger thing. four oh million dollars okay all right well i was trying to help you out but okay so a mother of an infant in Miami faces charges of aggravated manslaughter after authorities say her baby drowned in an unattended bathtub while she got her nails done. According to the Miami Herald, authorities allege that Alyssa Jimmy, 22, left the victim, seven-month-old Prince Mejia, and his three-year-old brother in a bathtub with the water running while she got her nails done in a garage at home manicure station. And this happened on May 20th. Jimmy allegedly told authorities that a plug was not placed into the tub drain before she went into the garage, which was about 62 feet away. Jimmy said that she had returned to check on her kids about five to ten minutes later. And that's when she found the drain was clogged with a tiny towel the tub was filled with water and the infant was floating face down while the toddler played nearby. She told detectives that the three-year-old knew how to stop the drain with the face towel. According to the report, Jimmy rushed to a neighbor's house to call 911 and baby Prince, who had been without a heartbeat for 45 minutes, was brought to a local hospital where hospital staff could resuscitate him. Doctors declared Prince dead three days later. The Miami-Dade County Medical Examiner determined the baby's cause of death to be unintentional drowning, according to WLPG-TV. According to the Herald, Jimmy was released on the $10,000 bond during her court hearing on Thursday. Um, Parents, please, protect your children. Protect your children. I can't say it enough. Um, We do have to take another break. More Janet Jackson, hashtag WCW, or Woman Crush Wednesday artist for today when we return hopefully we can squeeze in something from the entertainment news segment here she is with all night um nasty and love will never do without you Yeah. 
To all our listeners tuned in on QMZRadio.com, JanoRadio.com, and everyone here with me on Clubhouse where the conversation happens. You're listening to Coffee and Toe World News on the go every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. Starting tomorrow, every Thursday, we will be on Future FM 98.9 in the Bronx, Westchester, and Mount Vernon. Coming up next, entertainment news another one of kanye west's attorneys has stepped down from his divorce case with kim kardashian kanye west's fourth attorney has stepped down from his divorce case with kim kardashian on may 26 his lawyer samantha specter filed a motion to step down as counsel there has been an irreconcilable breakdown in the attorney-client relationship, Spectre states in her motion, Entertainment Tonight reports. Attorney has communicated with Ms. Hong, an attorney at law, who has confirmed she is acting on behalf of Yi and should receive all communications directed to him. Right now, 
The former couple are still battling it out in court over the custody of their children. ET reports that a source told the outlet West is looking to have a formal custody agreement arranged for himself and Kardashian for their four children. In the meantime, Kardashian says she wants to make things smooth between her and her ex as the divorce proceedings continue. As hard as it can be sometimes, I try to ignore it and try to do whatever is best for the children, she said during an appearance on Ellen this past March. Anita Baker stops her show to thank Chance the Rapper for helping her regain masters. Legendary singer Anita Baker is back and better than ever after securing her masters, crediting Chance the Rapper with helping her conquer such a huge feat. During her Las Vegas concert at the Venetian Theater on Sunday, May 29th, the body and soul vocalist took a break from singing to acknowledge the rapper for helping her regain control of her master recordings from her former record label. Chance, who had not told Baker he'd be attending, watched from the audience as she commended him for his selfless efforts. Good, good, good for you. Good for you, Anita. I still love her. Caught up in the rapture of love. I wish I could sing like her. Her voice is so beautiful. Yeah. But for now, a little more from Janet Jackson. Here she is with Doesn't Really Matter. I like this one. Don't forget to check out DJ Naturalist every Sunday, 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern, and tune into Naturalist Live with DJ Naturalist every Monday and Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern inside the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com. It's music, news, and naturalist views. Monday nights are made for days after dark. It's Real Relationship Talk. Join Moments, Sinatra, Solo, and Marlon at 10 p.m. Eastern on Clubhouse and tune into QMZRadio.com and JohnnoRadio.com. Join us on Monday, June 6, as we kick off Season 3 and more stimulating conversation.
don't forget to check out the John No Raider crew on JohnNoRaider.com. Download the John No Raider app today. J-A-H-K-N-O. Available in your Apple and Google Play stores. To all our listeners tuned in on QMZRadio.com, JohnNoRadio.com, and everyone here with me on Clubhouse, where the conversation happens. You're listening to Coffee and Toe World News on the Go every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. And just a reminder, starting tomorrow, every Thursday, we will be on Future FM 98.9 in the Bronx, Westchester, and Mount Vernon. And just a quick moment with me. Optimism is the faith that leads to achievement. Nothing can be done without hope and confidence. The words of Helen Keller. To all the listeners around the world tuned in on QMZRadio.com, JohnNoRadio.com, and everyone who joined in Clubhouse where the conversation happens, thank you. Thank you for tuning in and joining me for Coffee and Toe World News on the Go every Monday through Friday starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern where I read the news and we share our views. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in to Jano Radio. Jano Radio. We are we are we are online 24/7. We 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 hope you enjoyed the show. Bye bye. Of course, it's always great conversation, shared views, varying opinions, and interesting perspectives. Enjoy the rest of your day, folks. Whatever you do. Wherever you go, I do ask this one thing, that you please be safe. Look forward to seeing you all tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Eastern, right here on QMZRadio.com and JohnNoRadio.com.